This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town dramatic must be oscar week hello there welcome you're listening to the sunspots comics podcast issue number 95 covering the comic books that i read that came out on wednesday new comic book day february 22nd and this particular podcast is just riddled with comic book oscar winners yes i am your academy award-winning host chris latori thank you so much for joining us here on the sunspots comics podcast where i recommend to you an amazing list of comic books to read every single week Maybe you're brand slapping new to comic books. You're not sure what to read, and there's just so much to read, and you just want to pick a great few. Then that's what Sunspots Comics is for. Or maybe you've been reading comics. This is the 89th year that you've been reading comic books, and you just want to save some cash and save some money to just uh, have somebody tell you what the best stuff is. Well, then again, that's what the Sunspots Comics podcast is here for. It's definitely for you. So please subscribe to our podcast and follow us. On the interwebs at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, at Sunspots Comics. It's that easy. And just check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tophelat. That's T-O-P-H-E-E-L-A-T. Thank you, of course, to Nick Papa George for making our amazing Sunspots Comics theme song. Please give his site a gander at facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. He is a good musician. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for doing our theme song and of course to thank you to my son Jables Justin Latori for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog just go look at it at blog.sunspotscomics.com his last one is where he reviewed his top five favorite movies of 2016 so he's got a new one coming out very soon but please check that out and bookmark it blog.sunspotscomics.com and also just a quick announcement reminder of course don't forget our new fun freebie giveaway where I'm actually grabbing the free digital comic book codes and giving them to you. As a matter of fact, here is one right now. So if you're listening to the podcast, all you got to do is write this code down, go over to marvel.com slash redeem, because it just happens to be a Marvel comic, and this comic book is yours for free, and it is Marvel Tsum Tsums. That's right, there's a T in there. Tsum Tsum. And uh, it's the issue number one. These little plushy, weird, little poopy-looking things are friggin' adorable. <laughs> but good luck. Here's the code. Write it down. Marvel.com slash redeem. It's a free comic book. And the code is T as in Tom, H as in Henry, M as in Mary, Q as in 
quality. N is in Nancy. Y is in yellow. R is in Roger. V is in Victor. 4-2. P is in Peter. H is in Henry. So there you go. Really super fast. It's T-H-M-Q-N-Y-R-V-4-2-P-H. And that is for Tsum Tsum number one from Marvel. It's adorable. Check it out. So there you go. There's a free one. But all you got to do also is follow me on Instagram at Sunspots Comics. And every now and then I'll just kind of randomly post a picture telling you what the comic is and the free digital code. It's first come, first serve. So first one to grab it wins. So all you got to do is follow us on Instagram, and every so often, I'll be throwing those codes on there. So fun stuff. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics Podcast issue number 95 with just some stuff that's floating around in my nerd brain. Yes. The first thing that's up in there is the movie Logan. Yes. Starring hugely jacked man. (laughs) And it's his final, question mark, installment is playing Mr. Snicked, a.k.a. the Wolverine. I'm super excited about it. I only watched the very first trailer that came out, so I feel very spoiler light. It looks very serious, right? Very intense. Very intense Marvel Wolverine movie. My only concern, of course, is maybe that lack of comic book feel, which I love. I just hope they don't really heavily depart from the Old Man Logan comic book, which I love. That first run, to be specific. I love Old Man Logan. And also, you know, I just, I like that comic book feel every so often, even though it's a little cheesy. That's, to me, what, what the core of the movie is. So I hope they at least pay their respects to the comic book gods. But it looks very serious, looks very intense, looks very much a, a serious, like they're going for an Oscar win <laughs> kind of comic book movie, but that's fine. So I'll be watching it premiere weekend this weekend. I know it comes out Friday, Wednesday night, Thursday night. You know, around that area, it'll be premiering, and I'll be pot- uh, talking about it on Podcast 96. So that is up in there. I can't wait to see Logan Snicked. Also on my nerd lobes is the 2017 Oscar nominees for their outstanding work in a comic book movie are. So anyway, I isolated the Oscar movies of uh, the Oscar nominations in the comic book, in the realm of comic books, and there are only two. The first one is for visual effects for Doctor Strange, and it's Stephanie Coretti. Michael or Richard Bluff, Vincent Sorelli, and Paul Corbold. So thank you very much for your beautiful visual effects. It makes sense. That should be there. So hats off, and I hope you win the 27 Oscars, because I know the Oscars is tonight. I hope you win the Oscar. And the second one is for makeup and hair design for Suicide Squad. It's Alessandro Bertoli, Gigiorio Gregorini, and Christopher Nelson. Sorry for all the mangling of names, but I hope you guys win as well. The makeup and hair design looked top-notch in Suicide Squad, so... That's it. I know there's uh, f- <laughs> there's 40, 49 Oscars, I think there is, that's going. Well, two from the comic book world made it. I think there also should be like a people's vote uh, Oscar, where every single year they let the people submit through social media what their favorite movie, what the best of movie is of 2017 in the people's vote. Because, let's face it, the comic book movie industry only makes a gazillion billion dollars and it's very much in the zeitgeist the guidance of all of our brains, right? So it should be there. I think we should have a special category. And uh, let's get that together, Oscar people. <laughs> but there you go. That's the, the other thing. And the next thing on my nerd brain is that Doctor Strange is coming out on 3D Blu-ray and on everything Tuesday, this Tuesday, the 28th. But surprisingly, they're keeping the contents of this highly anticipated release locked up tighter than the Eye of Agamotto itself. I, I don't understand why. It's They... They really aren't telling you uh, if there's, there's director's commentary, if there's bonus features, if there's a gag reel. Um, I don't buy a lot of Blu-rays uh, anymore. I used to buy them, buy them all the time. If I do, they're usually always 3D. 
And this particular movie, I think, set like a new bar for 3D visuals. We haven't seen really the, the 3D like needle move since Avatar came out in December of 2009. So I really do think Doctor Strange set a new standard for just visuals and depth and and just just glorious strange looking visuals just like kaleidoscope of things happening and i think uh dr strange did that so i'm excited i can't wait to get it and grab it but they've literally not released all of the details yet especially the 3d details if it's going to be extended if there's going to be deleted scenes like just sort of the norm so it's strange that we're this close and they really haven't released a lot of of what the you know, the content information is going to be on the Blu-ray. So maybe that's exciting. Maybe they're really going to surprise us and there's just going to be a ton and ton and ton of extra content and director's cut information and, and extended scenes, etc., etc. So I'm excited. Doctor Strange, Blu-ray, Tuesday, February 28th. So super excited about that. And the last thing that's up in my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes. I'm writing it and coloring it and lettering it and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his glorious art. Please check him out on Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. Or art is just beautiful and intricate. I love it. Thank you, Jordan, for partnering with me here. I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com where we posted uh, just like four pages, just sample pages of the comic book that's coming out. So please put your eyeballs on it and check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update, because we are working on issue one and hopefully looking to release it sometime maybe by summer-ish. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be 30 pages. Right now, Jordan is penciling the pages for 19 and 20. That's exactly where we are. I have it written all the way through the end, um, but we both have full-time gigs, so, you know, it takes a little while. But hopefully, like I said, before, maybe early summer, we'll be releasing issue number one, self-publishing it under the Sunspots Comics Publishing House. And that is Zombie Destroyers, issue number one. So I'll tell you more about it as uh, it's going along. So next up, I just want to make a quick mention of our our segment we love, I love, called Spotlighting. Last week for podcast uh, podcast issue number 94, I interviewed uh, Marcus and Nasso and Jason Muir of the Action Lab Danger Zone comic book called Voracious and Voracious Feeding Time. Check that out on the feed if you haven't yet. It's a ton of fun, and I'm super proud of it. And it's just a great interview, really, if you're also trying to, to create your own comic book. It's just got some great tips in there, and you really get into the minds of a great writer and a great artist and how that sort of synergy and teamwork comes together. It's gorgeous. So please check that out on the feed. It's there, Podcast 94, a uh, special, special interview podcast that's there on the feed. And next up is writer-creator Howard Shapiro. He uh, beautifully brought my two favorite passions together with hockey comic books. At their very core, it's it's very uh, very much about like family and compassion. So I really love them, and you can check them out on all the social media at Hockey Player, and his books are on Amazon, Amazon.com. Just search for Hockey Saint and Hockey Karma, and they're really good. You don't really have to love hockey per se because it is a story about family and it's about you know overcoming obstacles and and growing into a, a full human being and the circle of life and. I just love it that, that I'm a big hockey fan and a comic book fan, so they, they he just blended them together. And he's going to be on uh, next, coming up uh, maybe next podcast or the podcast after. We're working out, we're getting close to finalizing when Howard Shapiro will be a guest on the Sunspots Comics Podcast. So check that out. And we also have a bunch, bunch more interviews just lined up coming very soon. So if you know someone or you yourself are an independent comic book creator, we want to shine some Sunspots Comics love and support to those struggling creators, like myself, and do what we can to help them get their comic books out there. It's tough. 
So if you're a writer, artist, colorist, letter, it doesn't matter, send me a link of your work on all the social media, of course, at Sunspots Comics, or email me a review copy right to chris at sunspotscomics.com. I promise I'll read it, give it my honest evaluation, and get in touch with you and have you on the podcast. So again, that's at Sunspots Comics. So if you're an independent comic book creator or you, you know someone that is, get them to contact me. That's chris at sunspotscomics.com. And right up, right next, we're going right into my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, February 22nd. So, spoiler-ish, semi-sort of alert. I really do a good job at not spoiling everything about it. I just want to talk about some of the major points, not even all of them. I leave the last couple of pages alone, maybe just telling you sort of what the tone of it is or if there's a big cliffhanger but I'm really just trying to inspire you and show you how much love I have for comic books and get you to go out there and buy some of these because they are amazing I read a ton of comics and then I only pick the great ones to discuss here on the podcast but you have been warned spoiler semi kind of alert but barely (laughs) and if you want to see everything that I'm reading all of my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015 just go to sunspotscomics.com just click on pull list to see Every single one of the 148 titles I am currently reading. Yes, that's a lot. Thankfully, they only come out every so often. Also, click on Top Comic Books of the Week to see all of my past top picks. I mean, it's the great of the greatest of the great list right there. All compacted and updated and simplified just recently because I did some work on the podcast. So please check out sunspotscomics.com. I'm super proud of it. And just put those eyeballs right onto it. I mean, don't put them onto it, but, you know, use them to look at the site and then be happy. <laughs> and, of course, every single week I pick uh, an artist winner and an artist cover artist winner of the comics that I love. And this week, it's uh, it's actually for the Jim Henson Power of the Dark Crystal issue number one. The artist winner is actually a team. It's Kelly and Nicole Matthews. I don't know too much about them. I don't have links to give you yet, but I will find them soon and share them on the social media. But Kelly, maybe that's just like Madonna or Sting. It's just a first name. Maybe it's just Kelly, like Jeff. Uh, but uh, it says Kelly and Nicole Matthews of the Jim Hansen's Power of the Dark Crystal. Their art is so intricate. Even the small, like faraway epic landscaping shots, are there's such amazing amount of detail in those small panels. Uh, they really spent some time on this and poured a ton of love into it. You can feel it, taste it, smell it, and just lick it. It's there. <laughs> All right, don't lick your comic. That's horrible. But anyway, I'm just so impressed with a lot of the intricate detail. And it really is just so immersive and colorful and beautiful. It takes you into that world uh, that is this strange, uh, this dark crystal world with it, where really ultimately these planets focus around the energy and the power that comes from these this, this gigantic dark crystal with all these sort of alien, humanoid, and animal-like beings that all talk. It's just this great, strange um, mastery of like this sort of puppet world come to life uh, based on the 1982 movie. But I loved it. Kelly and Nicole Matthews, such a glorious attention to detail. You're definitely my artist, artist's winners of the week. Beautiful. And the art cover artist winner is Jay Lee and June Chung. Jay Lee does the art. Jay Lee is an accomplished comic book artist. Look up his work. Uh, he does a glorious cover here that's just so awesome. It's so symmetrical. It's the crystal down the center. And you're the primary characters in this this bone throne, which is amazing. And the, uh, the Skeksis all kind of around them. Uh, and their images uh, reflected off of this strange pink crystal. It's dark. It's creepy. It's gorgeous. And it's just so fantasy 
I, I just love it. It really just kind of immerses you into that strange world. But Jay Lee is top notch, and he had Jun Chung doing the coloring, so it really just pops, and it really has just such great clarity, and it really sets a, a perfect tone to the power of the Dark Crystal comic book. So those are the uh, the artist winners. Thank you so much for your glorious art. It really was just inspiring and made me so happy. So And also the breakdown. So here we go, the breakdown. I actually bought 21 comics this week. I read them all, and eight of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. It is less than that 50%, where I always hope they are at least 50% of them to make that great list, but this is that's what happened. But new this is something interesting. The new number ones list, I always kind of highlight of, of how many new number ones came out. There were eight. Uh, this week out of the 21 and of those eight new number ones five of them made it to the great one list that I'm about to get into that is just amazing maybe a first time that's ever happened where five of the eight of the top picks are new number ones that's that's a ton that means only three comics that were reoccurring made it in there all all the other five are all brand new number ones so it's got to be a first I'm pretty sure so let's get into my top comic book recommendations my top picks this is my great ones list, folks, of comic books for New Comic Book Day, February 22nd. They're still over there in your local comic book shop. I consider these comic books to be the greatest of the great ones this week, and only the great ones make it to the Sunspots Comics recommendation list. So here we go. That's right. Coming in at number eight is Infamous Iron Man issue number five from Marvel Comics. This is from writer Brian Michael Bendis and one of my favorite artists, Alex Maleev. So this is Doctor Doom. This is him actually trying on the road to redemption. Victor Von Doom is trying to live a better life. He's trying to uh, to turn a new leaf and become uh, the man that he really believes he is, which is a you know a being of good, and not just try to be the uh, <laughs> historically in the past the the devious ruler that he is always attempting to be. He wants to uh, live a world of good, and of course everyone doesn't believe him. From the Thing to Shield. To just everyone that's surrounding him, they're really not giving him a chance, which they shouldn't uh, if you look at the history of Doctor Doom and what he's done. This opening sequence is great with the thing in a hospital, and he's hooked up to all these wires that are going down his throat. And so you're wondering about that as well, I find myself. Like, is his throat all just stone? Does he have saliva? Like, how does this work? But uh, uh, Doctor Von Doom's mother put a spell on the thing, making him believe, which he didn't know right until this moment he woke up, that all of the, the sort of rock uh, skin and the, the, the being that he's made of, all of this rock is just sort of crumbling and falling off of him, like he's just falling apart and turning into dust. And yeah, he uh, that, that uh, knocked him unconscious and he wakes up in this hospital. So he's talking to Director Hill now, and he's realizing that it was a spell that Doctor Doom's mother put on him, and he's just having this sort of embarrassing conversation that it was just in his mind. And Hill is kind of telling him, "Yeah, it was." And it's, you know, Ben Grimm is just kind of embarrassed by it. And Brian Michael Mendes does a great job of writing here, so you really feel that sort of embarrassment. And Maliev pairs it with that look of sort of shame on Ben's face, which is tough to do. He's made of rock, right? But he does it in a just mastery fashion here. So hats off to Alex Maliev. But this breaks down the thing telling the story of the sort of first meeting of Dr. Doom and his mother, who is supposed to be dead, like a very long time ago. And she doesn't believe this person, and he lives in the world of mysticism, so he's skeptical, and he could, you know, could very well be someone that just looks like his mother, and he's just really kind of putting her to the test. And they sort of fight, talk it out, and it's great. It's just full of this magic and color, and 
you can see the the look on his on the mother's face. She's just sort of disappointed that he that she's being attacked, but she is an omega level powered being here, and of course so is Doctor Doom, and neither one of them are really making any ground on attacking each other. But it's sort of the strange way they communicate, because at the same time he has like Iron Man's uh, technology, and so he's using it to scan her and to to try to in some way, you know, prove that it's his mother who's, who he watched die a long time ago. I don't remember where exactly in which comic, but I do remember reading it. But there she is, totally alive, totally fine. And she looks like she's about 35 years old. So <laughs> that's got to be a little shocking to him. But that whole sequence is great. How that pans out, you got to watch. Uh, it's a great cliffhanger at the end, which I did not expect to see this. It really did kind of surprise me, pleasantly surprise me at the very end. But uh, that is at its core, basically, those two primary sequences. So I don't want to ruin any more of it because it is really well written. It's great. It has a fantastic pace. And it, when you blink, it's over. Like, uh, that's a, a true testament to a good comic, in my opinion. It wasn't completely just zero dialogue. It was a good medium level filled of dialogue. So there was some meaty chunks here that really kind of explained a lot about his mother and how this is really affecting him. So I felt the emotion there. It sold it for me. And like I said, humongous cliffhanger at the end, folks. Infamous Iron Man number five. It's been great. I, I'm really surprised by it. Every single month it comes out, it's basically on time. Even though Alex Maleev can take a long time to do art, he's very sort of hyper realistic in a scratchy sort of way. But it's it's gorgeous here. Some of his best work. It doesn't have that very typical, not typical, but Alex Maleev will sometimes use a lot of digital rendering for faces. It doesn't feel that way here. He's either cleaned that up and chiseled it out, or he's just departing from it and doing more freehand drawing, which I hope that's the case because uh, it made me believe he did. But Alex Maleev, top-notch. Brian Michael Bendis, of course, you know, he's one of those mastery writers. That's my number eight. Number seven is uh, from... This is in the Hellboy vein of things. It's a Dark Horse comic, one of the longest titles I've seen. The Visitor, How and Why He Stayed, issue number one. And this is the first of the five new number ones that came out and it's uh, in the vein of Hellboy this is written by Mike Mignola art by Chris Robertson he's doing all of sort of the Hellboy art and color by Paul Grist Grist and this is an interesting little story this is just sort of that that this character you didn't know was there in the background for all of these years that the years that Hellboy's been alive and he's just sort of watching him but he's called the visitor and he can turn from humanoid form to what seems to be his real form, which is of some sort of strange alien family. It's weird. <laughs> but I love the visual of it. He's right on the cover. It's just, it's very BPRD. It kind of has that Abe look where he's wearing this strange, you know, apparatus in his face. And I, I just love it. It looks, it looks great and strange. And he's holding this weird, like, card. It reminds me of Gambit from the X-Men where it's this floating sort of green glowing card like you think he's gonna fl like throw it at you fling it at you like gambit does of the x-men but he doesn't he is primarily sort of watching hellboy from his his very birth on earth when he came out of that strange portal uh, during world war ii to where sort of hellboy presently is ish in like the mid 50s but it shows him weaving in to all of these stories of Hellboy where he's just observing. He's even had to jump in a couple of times. There's a great sequence where he, where he, he really is there to destroy Hellboy, but he sees the, uh, the human side of him. He sees that Hellboy is really trying to do good, and he has to intervene, but quietly and not in a way that he's not seen. So he is just this watcher. He's this insane alien stalker of Hellboy. But... That's all this issue is from number one, and I was hooked. 
because it just uh, it's very dialogue light. It's very much in the art vein of Mike Mignola. So if you love that, you're gonna love this with Chris Robertson, and it's just really showing some of those those human that those human moments where Hellboy is really kind of where he has compassion for the human race and he wants to do what's right. And so it's just this great little like little highlight reel of some of Hellboy's greatest sort of heroic moments. So it gives you that that comic book hero feel because he's just watching. But is he just going to watch? Uh, this looks like it's going to be a five-issue miniseries, so what's going to happen here? I know we're not going to have five issues of just him watching Hellboy, so something's going to happen. What is it? I don't know, but I'm hooked. So that's the first of the new number ones, but it's The Visitor, How and Why He Stayed. Kind of, They could have just called The Visitor. I don't know why they had to go with that. But anyway, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we see this character, so if you're into collecting something, whereas it's a first appearance, this does feel like a very true first appearance of The Visitor. Could be wrong, but I've, I haven't heard of him. Sounds fresh and new to me. Of this alien being that can change into a humanoid that's watching Hellboy. But check it out. So my number six issue of the week on the countdown here is from Image Comics. And it's Curse Words, issue number two. This is from written by Charles Soule. Uh, he does, uh, I loved when he did uh, Daredevil. And Ryan Brown on art. And Ryan Brown has a, has a unique sort of look and take. It's very realistic but with a cartoony edge to it. And the colors are done by him as well, uh, and also Michael Garland, and it looks great. It uh, is very bright and pink and full of color. Seems like it's always sort of in the daytime, and there's just a lot of blue lightning kind of all over the place, and I, I love that. I'm a big sucker for blue lightning. But he is Mr. Wizard, and he is this strangely high-powered wizard of, like, I mean, he, Gandalf times ten. He's just... He's just omnipresent sort of godlike wizard character that has decided to also go, go good and the challenges that go with that. In the previous episode, he killed a, a sort of major villain saving the day, but it was in like a middle of like a base, like a baseball or football stadium. And he had to <laughs> shrink it down to the size of a silver dollar and put all the humans that were in that uh, stadium in a in a sort of form of status, a status that they're just kind of frozen in time. And uh, he's just there talking to it with his uh, partner. Um, I want to say her name is Samantha, the, the talking koala bear, which who doesn't love that? That in itself is just a great character to like I'm on board. You tell me there's a talking koala. I'm in like I don't, it almost doesn't matter what else. And then he reveals that uh, because there's the Internet and television, he had to shrink and put into stasis every human and shrink them down to about the size of an ant and put them all into a large Ziploc bag. <laughs> Conceptually, I was kind of blown away with that. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen or heard this. That's definitely kind of way out there. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's wizards and magic. So I was like, beautiful, gorgeous, weird, strange. I'm in. And that was like enough to kind of carry the rest of the, of the comic in there. And it, it, it delivers more from there. So Curse Words is just a, a strange story. They introduce the sort of bad guy here. There is this ex-girlfriend uh, love interest there that is going after him and says that she's going to use her womanly ways to deceive him. So it's the building of the bad guy team here, and uh, it's pretty gruesome. And then he has to get this sapphire, and what he does here to gather this sapphire from this crazy terrorist, uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's just this funny sequence. So I love curse words. It's a little messed up. It's a strange wizard trying to do good, Mr. Wizard, and his talking koala. Samantha, I think that's her name, or Sandra, something like that. <laughs> I like that he gives the, the partner just a sort of very ordinary human name, Samantha. I don't know, that just 
gives me a chuckle. But you do get a flashback as well as to this ex-girlfriend and kind of what it means to him. And a strange little sequence that you'll see that kind of like uh, uh, he bends reality a, a little here and sort of breaking the fourth wall with this. And I, I like that. I don't want to blow what it is because it's a great sort of moment and gag and uh, it's great. But curse words, uh, top-notch stuff. And it looks beautiful from Image Comics. That's why it's my number six pick of the week. It's Curse Words, issue number three. Go get it. You're only... It's delivering on time, too, so far. So good. So, Curse Words. And coming in at number five is from Vertigo Comics, Frostbite. This is issue number six of six. This is written by Flash writer Joshua Williamson. And glorious, glorious art by someone that I, I consider one of the best in the business right now. And it's Jason Sean Alexander. Jason Sean Alexander. His art is ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely very hyper-realistic. There's a lot of sort of paint splatter all over it. That's kind of part of his style, uh, which when he did this sketch for me, he did it that way as well, using this copper brush to kind of splatter black ink all over it. But So it's very gritty, very dark, very super realistic. All the emotions in the face are just top-notch and so sell it with every single moment. But Jason, Scott, uh, Jason Sean Alexander... Top notch. If there were a number two art winner of the week, this was it. He really spent some great attention to detail. But I can tell you this much is that the part six of six, they really didn't need to number it that way. It, this this definitely feels like it's going to keep going with some aspects that I don't want to mention at the very sort of last four or five pages. But this is where we have this bounty hunter woman who has this frostbite disease, which is a strange sort of virus. They live in this post-apocalyptic world where the entire earth is just frozen solid and this disease is killing people not only just frostbite it's like this frostbite virus times 10 it's like makes frostbite even worse and she is infected but she's only slowly turning and dying from this frostbite virus and she is now trying to save the young daughter uh, of a major professor that has the cure to this virus and uh, the bounty hunter woman actually killed her father so there's drama there it, it comes down to where she knows about it that the bounty hunter woman killed her father i'm so bad with her names in this but it's really not important but they uh, they come to a head here where they have to sort of you know figure it out they want to save the world and she doesn't like this woman because she you know she killed her father how are they going to sort of make that work and you have to see it to understand kind of what's ha what happens here but it's ultimately this bad guy that is chasing after them. I love the look of this bad guy. He's kind of Samuel Jackson with these crazy eyes. And he's riding like a snowmobile, snow machine. And uh, it's it's just gorgeous. Laid out on this on this ice. And it's and they're, the ice is breaking. And it's just great action sequence. Which uh, looks great. And I love when he brings up the ferocity of the bad guy. They sort of just take that frame and make it red to kind of bring up the uh, the sort of anger and the violence and the and the hell-bent mission this bad guy has to kill them all like he's just kind of uh, done and to, uh, to understand his motivation is to really know that he just sort of kind of wants everyone to die <laughs> like he's he's really a man of of no hope and and doesn't want really the world to survive he just kind of thinks it's time for the world to go down but uh, I still uh, just love the sequence of them fighting in the ice, and they, at one point the ice breaks, and it's just action-packed, but kind of what happens from there, I don't want to explain. That's really the last four or five pages where it definitely takes a twist and hits you with something that you kind of weren't expecting, and like I said, six of six is just in, inaccurate in my opinion. Maybe just in arc-wise, they're going to take a break from this, but we will see more of this, and I am glad, because they kind of develop 
a sort of new way to go, I think, in a, in a glorious new arc that I think will be even maybe more interesting than this one. It's like this was all just the setup. And from where they go from here, I think, is even going to be better. So Frostbite 6 of 6, though, it does sort of wrap up things, though, in a way. And uh, and definitely uh, <laughs> the future, I think, is going to be fantastic. But Frostbite, issue number 6 of 6. Check it out. And then also the second new number one on the list, the two of the five, uh, next on the countdown, is my, my issue number four here, which is Heathen, issue number one. This is from Vault Comics, so it's kind of an indie publisher. And this is writing and art from Natasha Alterisi. And I follow her on Instagram. I'm, I'm so glad I do because her art is glorious and gorgeous. And she did a fantastic job of writing here. And the, the cover, who is a, a different uh, cover artist, is uh, Tess Fowler and uh, Tamara Bonvillain. Just an amazing sort of Conan uh, cover here with a woman, though. Uh, with a Viking helmet with the deer antlers and this gorgeous white stallion horse. And even just the intricacy of the saddle that is on this horse just has that sort of Norse uh, riding done in leather. And it's just, it's beautiful standing in the snow. It just stood out to me where I was like, wow, what is this comic? Once you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I love when comics does that, by the way, when they make such a beautiful cover and you just can't take your eyes off it and it makes you interested in wanting to open a comic up. That's how it should be. That's how it should be, comic book people. And it happens a lot, but I love when that happens. And this is uh, also uh, the uh, lettering. I have to give just props to lettering because of some of the unique style of lettering here is Rachel Deering, a very inspiring lettering, lettering style. And <clears throat> this opens up with our young maiden here, a young woman who seems to be an outcast. She has her horse Saga, which I love that name. And she is just sort of traveling this, this landscape, this, this ice-ridden landscape. And she's telling her horse a story of this, um, the Valkyrie that um, goes against the god Odin and uh, is cast down to the earth to, to marry a mortal. And so she tells the story to her horse Saga. There is a little blurb at the beginning that kind of explains that she's traveling with her talking horse. But, but Saga didn't actually talk in this yet. So interesting to hear Saga's voice eventually, but she's just telling the story of Valkyrie and there's a great little flashback of this, this you know, winged goddess Valkyrie riding a flying horse uh, going uh, against Odin because Odin told her to kill this king and she didn't do it. She, she went against Odin's wishes and was cast out of Valhalla. And so she's just telling Saga the story when, when she comes along this, this young woman that she knows, knows her by name, as she's hunting this uh, this deer, and they have a conversation that they both did a something. They did an act that had them both uh, thrown out of their village. And our young uh, heathen was uh, her. She had her father help her, uh, like fake her death. And the other woman stayed in town, agreeing to be married off because of this vile act that they did, which was kissing each other, very simply. So it's strange that that sort of aspect was written into this comic, but I really enjoyed it. Like, you know, this this small act of, of curiosity, which they don't really tell you what their sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter. They just, they, they kissed each other in this, this backwards town, and it freaked them all out and banished them, and they were going to either kill them or marry them off based on that little thing that happened. And I just, I love that sort of message it's sending here that even, you know, even back then in this world that it's, you know, it's just, it's just frowned upon and it's just ugly. And uh, she, she's like, the young woman kind of apologizes for kissing her and our heathen character just says, don't like, you know, she didn't bother her at all. And she doesn't regret it one bit. 
and she's accepted her life now as living on the road and her mission is to find the top of this giant mountain where apparently this 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 tale of the Valkyrie is is uh, where she's standing on top of a mountain waiting for uh, the, the right person to court her and to be married to and our woman character heathen wants to be that character it doesn't say it has to be a man so she is uh, she's uh, that is her life goal her life mission she's living in this this barren frozen you know world and she's uh, that is her mission is to find Valkyrie on top of the mountain and have that be her wife and so I just I love the art look of it it's it is a sort of very scratchy but watercolory and it's just gorgeous when there are close-ups you can feel the emotion on the faces she very much sells it uh, beautiful like I said art from Natasha Alterici sorry if I'm mispronouncing it Alterici maybe but it's a Viking tale it's a woman Viking it's she's on the trail for a, for a fallen god and I'm on board. And there's some twists here. She meets a sort of demigod, semi-god. I don't want to spoil the sort of action and fun that, that's there. But great sequence uh, there in, in action. The way that she does motion. And the panels move from left to right. Really carrying the eye over in each scene. Top notch. Like, hats off. I haven't seen her work uh, very much in comics. But I'm going to find it now. But... It is just top stuff. Uh, you've got to go check out Heathen issue number one. You will not be disappointed. Great. Not a lot of a ton of dialogue. Very dialogue light. It reads very fast. And uh, I, I think the page count was a little sort of bonus level. I want to say it was close to 30 pages. So I like that. And that's Heathen number one. Go check it out. It's two of the five of the new number ones that came out this week. And coming in at number three. So here we go. This is the top three countdown. This is the top notch stuff right here, folks. The top three. And this is the third of the number of, of the five new number ones that came out. This is Old Guard issue number one. And Old Guard, I love the cover by the way. It's just like uh, from the sort of waist down of this of this very tactical character with a machine gun and this awesome looking axe. But the Old Guard is written by Greg Rucka. He's a he's he's a top pro. He, he's been doing it for a million years. Not a million. He's not that old. But you know, he's been doing it forever. Art and covers, did multiple covers, Leandro Fernandez. And I love Leandro Fernandez's art. It's dark. It's very artistic. It's a lot of lines, a lot of things happening. Not scratchy, though. Very smooth. Some fantastic emotions. And some of the strangest paneling, strangest, awesome, unique, beautiful layout of paneling. Panelings. It's just, it's top notch. It's all over the place. You got to sort of look at it and follow it. Sometimes you kind of don't know where to go, but it, it, eventually the story sort of tells you where your eyes are supposed to go. And there, there is a lot of sort of black space with just white lettering on it to really like bring home some heavy-duty plot lines here that are happening. And you're getting the first, the initial sequence is just getting the layout of this sort of immortal woman. And there is a little blurb at the beginning that gives you the layout. It's, this is a fairy tale of blood and bullets. It is the story of one woman and three men who cannot die mostly their names are andy nikki joe and booker it is a story about time and age and ages and about friendship and love and regret and it sets a great tone here you see this character this woman who is living throughout the years she's definitely immortal going through different time frames different time zones here from samurai to viking to so she's been around for a millennia's and just sort of trying to find love in her life, honestly, you know? <laughs> and uh, with some of her sexual escapades as well. But she really wants love, and she kind of explains that. She wants to find the one, and she's, she's just not finding the one. And she dies, and she comes back to life, and it's just really setting a great stage here of how immortal she is and the kind of person she is. And she's become very cynical, and now, you know, you, you live that long. 
you just sort of become uh, like her, I believe, which is, you know, you kind of wish for death in a way, maybe, and, and you're just very cynical on the human race. But um, she's sort of this special special ops, black ops, undercover kind of agent with her and her three fellas that are also immortal as well. And they're meeting in a cafe to talk about their next mission, whether they should accept it or not. And the female character is just kind of hesitant. She's kind of like, whatever, do we really have to? She's just kind of what you expect of someone that's immortal. But they do accept this mission, and it has to do with a, with a, with something, with a twist here. That's something that's sort of... I wasn't expecting, but it has to do with being double-crossed in a way, or triple-crossed without giving any major plotline out, but they lay it out so well, and there's this fantastic, this is definitely my action sequence favorite of the week, where uh, they, they, even the flashback, where she's kind of in Desert Storm, and sort of what happens here, and it's just this great close-up of this gun and this scope, and how they're attacked, and then... Again, you don't know too much about these characters other than that they go on these missions and they're double-crossed and what's going to happen next, we'll, we'll see. There's a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end which you got to stay tuned for, but there's some great layouts of uh, them all dressed tactically. It's very machine gun fused in this thing, in this comic. It's just a lot of bullets flying, but a lot of great shadowing and silhouettes that's done here and they're very sort of on sneak attack in one of these missions and it's there's such glorious shadowing done here but it's it's top-notch comic book storytelling the color palette's all over the place on one page i'm looking at it's from orange and blue to green to yellow to purple it's just a, a beautiful wide array of color selections here and and like i said uh, leandro fernandez is you know a lot of living in the silhouettes and then the darkness really makes everything stand out so it's it's gorgeous it's fun it's action-packed those two sequences like i said of them on these missions and the double cross just glorious 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 art but that's the old guard issue number one i'm in all the new number ones by the way i've added to the pull list so i gotta see where all of them go they were all fantastic but coming in at number two is the fourth four out of five of the new number ones and it's belfry issue number one it's actually a it's just a one-shot so it's Belfry one-shot. This is uh, by Gabriel Hardman, and he did the, the wrote it, and he drew it, and man, this is intense. This is very violent, very brutal, uh, horror kind of comic about vampires, and it's just a one-shot that was so much fun. Some unique paneling done here, but this is a very much steeped in the genre of horror comic book, but... I was just really feeling this. It's dark, it's twisted, it's gory, it's over-the-top violent. But it seems like it's sometimes in, somewhere in the 50s or so with this 50s-style airplane that crashes on this island. And they've got kind of... It's kind of a passenger plane. It's like a... It's like what you what we saw in Indiana Jones. It's that kind of 50s passenger-style plane where there's maybe 10, 12 people on this plane. And they crash land into this strange vampire island is the best way to describe it and uh they definitely have a different look with the vampires i really like that um definitely more on like the bat side of things and their face sort of turns and like when they attack it becomes more bat-like and then when they're not attacking they're a little more humanoid looking and uh it is gruesome and violent and bloody and over the top but it was just i don't know it's just fun to live in here it just seemed had that feeling of like an old-fashioned vampire comic 
but man gabriel hardman does some great art in this some unique paneling some very small sort of strangely cut angular panels with larger sweeping panels to give you a layout of the epicness of the plane crash in that one sequence but some great use of sound effects where it's a very scratchy kind of laid out in blood if you will like blood splattery uh, action writing top notch it just fits the right feel and 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 tone of this this horror comic but it was so much fun i loved it i love living in this world it was a definite payoff at the end but make made you kind of wanting more which is great i think that's I, i'd love to see gabriel hardman expand on this or do another one shot or something you could tell it was like a, a passion project just a labor of love for him and uh, these sequences where the where the vampires are attacking them out of this world but there's a little more to it a little more than just sort of this non-stop sort of death tromp of vampires they 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 kind of slow things he slows things down and kind of explaining a little sort of a bit about why they're there and how they come to be just a smidge but enough for just a perfectly well put together just you know three act action-packed horror comic about vampires the the belt the belfry check it out buy it it's a it's a keeper it's one if, if you know of if, if you read comics and you have a friend that's more into horror but likes comics maybe a little just boom pass that one pass this off to them it'll it'll be a it'll be they'll be thanking you it's great but here we go now coming in at number one this is the fifth and final new number one that came out this week can't believe five of the eight countdown were new number ones but the number one was the best of the best I, I read it three times uh, it was the artist winner and the art cover winner. It's Jim Henson's The Power of the Dark Crystal, issue number one. And The Dark Crystal was a 1982 like American-British fantasy film uh, directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz, the creators of The Muppets, etc. And this was designed to be the sequel. This was a script laid out by, and I have to give them credit as well, uh, based on the screenplay from Craig Pierce and Annette Duffy and David O'Dell. So they wrote this screenplay to be a sequel to the 1982 movie and it just never happened it just fell through there's a long explanation on uh, the wikipedia and muppetpedia <laughs> about the uh, the how it fell apart the project fell apart but uh, here we are with the sequel from uh, archaea comics and this is uh, written by the artist winners of the week uh, the drawn by the artist winner of the week kelly and nicole matthews and this is written by simon spurrier so simon was able to get the script originally uh, done by uh, the, that group of people but originally from jim henson's idea uh, as the uh, sequel to the dark crystal so the dark crystal in a nutshell by the way if you haven't read it you really don't need to know it going into this because it's like a hundred years later uh, where the first movie sort of shows this world falling into darkness and how this dark crystal can sort of bring the world back together and the adventures of this of of this these two characters trying to set the world straight and, and bring balance to their galaxy if you will <clears throat> but you don't really need to know all of it but i would go back and watch this movie dark the dark crystal some of the animatronics and the puppet work here were really hailed as like really just groundbreaking um work that they did and uh, it was a great musical score, which I love, which, you know, you heard in the opener of the podcast, by the way, that's what that is. But it's just, uh, it's, it was kind of meant to be sort of a, uh, you know, a PG children's sort of puppetry kind of movie, a fantasy, but it ended up being very kind of dark and using some great, um, just, you know, physical special effects, some real special effects. I mean, this is 1982, so uh, they really did some groundbreaking stuff in this, and it was a, a great story and just fun and uh, check it out and, and it just has this like land of yoda fantasy world that they've built in dark crystal and uh 
it's just glorious. But you really don't need to know it all to know about this particular uh, comic because, like I said, it's a hundred or so years later. But this centers around this this fireling character, kind of like a hobbit that's on fire <laughs> all the time, and she is there on a mission from her planet. How she got there, I don't know. She travels through the fire or something. But her planet is dying. They, they, her planet centers around this dying sun. And she believes that she needs a part of the crystal. She wants to shatter the crystal to bring back a shard to power this dying sun and her planet to save her people. And doing so, shattering the crystal would probably send the whole world into darkness. All the worlds into darkness. And start this crazy war where these uh, Skeksis come back. That are these really these politically conniving uh, you know, creatures that that are hell-bent on keeping the world in darkness and and uh i love this that there is this wizard that returns from the original movie that is there that was basically hasn't been heard for many many years and even the primary characters from the original movie are there but not as you think they would i don't want to blow it but uh it's it's such glorious art like i said there's a lot of dark panels with a lot of sort of neon popping here the fireling is just beautiful looking the way that they just make her dance with fire it's just beautiful and there's really just a lot of setting up in this world is really what i want to tell you but they do such a great job of sort of um keeping you in touch with what happened in the past but also moving that story forward and telling you kind of how things are now in this world and they do a great job at that they really encapsulated i think which was probably a fantastic script that should have been a movie into this comic and it's going to be 12 issues so i'm i'm so on board it's added to the pull list it's beautiful fantasy and like i said it's dark it's twisted and it's uh setting the, a really interesting stage here too what is going to happen when this fireling attempts to shatter the crystal that holds the whole galaxy together to take a piece of it back to her world? Or how are they going to do that? There's definitely sort of uh, other characters that are plotting against the fireling in, in a lot of ways because she's just very alien. They maybe haven't seen her species before. No, they haven't, as a matter of fact, as I'm re-browsing through it. So they're, they don't know what to do with her, just, uh, you know hose her off with water and, and kill her They're, they feel that maybe that's the way to go they're not sure but there's there's very much that's part of another sort of side story there is how they're dealing with someone that's foreign and someone that's different and someone that doesn't look like everyone that's there which there's a ton of different ways people look but they've never seen a character that's just sort of walking and always on fire so there's there's that sort of side aspect of the story which i found very interesting kind of a modern day sort of a to you know they sort of in this fantasy realm are acting very racist because they're just it's just a race they don't understand but uh, i like that sort of reflection on some modern day issues there but um great realm of fantasy it's glorious and beautiful to look at like i said it's art winner of the week and, and cover by jay lee it's just it's just 10 out of 10 it's just hitting on all cylinders and a great setup story here and what's going to happen with this fireling and the crystal that holds the, the whole universe together. But I'm I'm absolutely in. I've been loving everything that this, this Jim Henson and Arkea partnership is doing. From the giants to the witches to the dragons. It is all top-notch stuff. It's so gloriously done. Even the paper stock, the paper quality they've gone with 
is this non-slick, non-shiny, but very thick paper stock look and feel. They're going to do some great hardcovers with all of this. I hope they do a like an omnibus hardcover with all of the collections from Dark and probably Dark Crystal won't be in there, but from the Giants and the Witches and the Dragons all to come together in a glorious hardbound. That would be fantastic. But this Jim Henson Arcaea partnership is a 10 out of 10. I've loved it all. It's really fantastic stuff. Digging into the mind of Jim Henson and doing stuff with it. It's like, you know, it's like a Michael Jackson or Tupac. It's like, you know, he's gone, but there's still more things coming out. So uh, I love that, though, because I, I hope they get more of Jim Henson's work and try to put it out there. He has such a great imaginative mind, and they really do a great job of immersing you and just loving to live in this great fantasy world that is the power of the Dark Crystal. So that's why it's my number one pick of the week. Solid. And, uh, man, there we go. There you have it. Those are all of them. I hope you've uh, enjoyed it. Only eight this week. But, man, those are all my, my comic book uh, recommendations, the great ones for New Comic Book Day, February 22nd. Just get yourself up, stand up now, walk over to a local comic book shop or drive, I know they're now close, and tell them you want all eight of these titles immediately. You will not be disappointed. They are top-notch, A-plus, and I read a ton of comics, and I've been reading them since the dawn of dirt, yes. So if you have any questions or comments or you'd like a personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly to chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I read your email and discuss it on a podcast, I will send you a little comic book prize as a thank you from me personally. Please sign up for our email newsletter. Just go to sunspotscomics.com slash contact and tune in next week to issue number 96 of the podcast where I'm going to be pulling a list of 20 new comic books for March 1st. And there are also five new number ones coming out next next week so potentially 25 comics that i'll be reading and i'll be uh, filtering out and talking about just the great ones next week and just to give you a little glimpse on some of the awesome stuff coming out next week here's a little list in no particular order the walking dead 165 can't wait to read that superpowers number five it's that all kids very gloriously beautifully colored uh, comic superpower star wars 29 always a solid pick uh, southern bastards i just wish it was delivered more in time but this is issue number 17. It's been about five years since it's been going, but here we are on issue 17. But Southern Bastards is never disappoints. Reborn from uh, Capullo and Mark Millar. That's been a top-notch pick about the afterlife and what happens in this Lord of the Rings-like world. And Motor Girl, issue number four. I love Motor Girl so much from Terry Moore, master class creator Terry Moore. So that's just a smidge, just a glimpse of what's coming out next week for Podcast 96. So I hope you tune in. And I may even have uh, Howard Shapiro, like I said, an interview on 96 or 97, somewhere in there. But uh, please tune in. We would appreciate it. It's going to be an amazing week of comic books, folks, I tell you. So please subscribe and listen in. And thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. From the from deep down inside, it means a lot to me. If you enjoyed the podcast and you really just want to help us a little bit, all you got to do is just go subscribe to us. Go on to iTunes. Give us a positive review with five stars. I'll personally thank you right here on a future podcast if you do so. So just go over to iTunes and hit me up. I would really appreciate it. But thank you again for listening. Go buy those comic books immediately. You won't be disappointed. And of course, see you next week. And be water, my friend. Be like water, my friends. Don't forget. Thank you very much. See you all next week. Bye. See you later.
looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics now. So hey babe, issue number 165, Walking Dead next week. Woohoo! <laughs>